0: Welcome back, it's time for Customers Who Click. We're going to be talking about email marketing today. Uh, it's a topic that's very close to my heart as email was a core focus for me during the uh, majority of my in-house career. It plays a massive role in the customer journey, whether it's pre or post-purchase. You can sell with it, you can educate it, you can you know, in- inform a transactional email. Anyone who tells you email marketing is dead probably just sucks at it. Today's guest is Hannah Lipschitz, who helps e-commerce brands develop their email marketing strategy with a strong focus on copywriting. Let's get Hannah on now. Hi, Hannah. Thanks for joining me today. Would you mind just giving us a bit of an introduction to yourself, a bit of your background and how you got to where you are today?
1: Sure. Thank you so much for having me, and I'll give you the quick rundown. So I started out in very generalist copywriting and marketing, kind of just doing everything for everyone, waiting to find something that I really enjoyed to Really niche down in that. Tried different types, different styles, and then fell very strongly into email, which I loved. And then the more I got into email, and the more I, you know, worked with different kinds of email, SaaS and service provider, and course launchers and e-commerce, I, try, I kind of tried. I worked on all of them, and I worked with many different brands in all the spaces. And then it was just e-commerce that I felt like I was just doing really well in that, and found my space in that. So niche down even more went all into e-commerce and now i mainly work with e-commerce brands on their automations on their flows and then on their campaigns as
0: well yeah sounds good so what gets people clicking with uh, email
1: okay so that's a great question and the funny thing is that people who don't who are not in this space they're like not sure what exactly do you do you work for computer audit, but what exactly do you do so they're, like what exactly do you do and i'm like you know those emails that major retail corporations send and that you never open because they just lie on your promotions tab or on your spam tab and they're like nodding their head, yeah. Like, what are you going for? And I always say that. So those emails, I mean, I don't write those emails, but I write emails for plenty of different brands. And my goal with those emails is to get a yes to open them. So yeah, so that's that's your question. How do you get customers to click, right? How do you get people to actually open these emails and not to lie in the promotions tab to be forgotten forever? And to me, it's really all about the the customer journey. I feel like if you have the customer journey in mind, and if you're doing the entire email experience from the customer from their viewpoint then everything changes. The emails change, the call to action actions change, the, the flows change, the basics that we know of email changes because we're doing it from their perspective. And so the way we get them to click is by writing emails that they actually want to see and they actually want to read. By writing them, because we've thought about what they want to see. We've thought about what they're looking to see, what they're looking to read, what they're looking to buy, and then writing the emails in that way and sending them only the emails they want to see, not just spamming them with promotions that they're not interested in, but sending them emails based on what we know they want to see. So really, it's all about, it's not about getting them to click. It's about sending them things that they want to see, emails they want to see so that they'll click because they really want it. I'm not in the business of like, you know, trying to, in the bro marketing business of trying to get people to buy things they don't need. That's like the last thing I like to do. I work with brands that they have a really good product. Um, they're, they have a good customer base. And our goal is to get the customers to you know, see the value of the product and buy it because they really need it. And then by working on you know, their viewpoint and getting what they need and understanding what they need, we can send them the right email so that they buy it. Not because we want them to buy it, but because they actually want it.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's it's kind of how I approach CRO as well, right? It's right. How do how do we convince this person that this is the right product for them? Not just how do we how do we kind of incentivize people to buy or right. you know, kind of trick people into buying. It's it's always, you know, how do we answer their questions? How do we make sure they are happy that this is the right product for them?
1: Right. Um, and really that boils down to, like, that. that's what good email marketing is, because at the end of the day, even if you do really good marketing, even if you send really good emails that convince them to buy it, if it's not what they need, they're not coming back for more. And then you've got a one-time customer, which is lovely, but that's not the goal. The goal is retention. The goal is to you know, have these long-term client customers. And then you, you only get that by selling products to people who really need them, not because you're just really good at writing persuasive stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you know John Ivanko. On on LinkedIn,
1: he he yes, talks I a yes, I yeah
0: he talks a lot about retention. He's got some quite strong opinions on retention, and yeah, a big thing that he talks about a lot is it it comes down to timing, right? You know, you can absolutely love a brand, and I've been thinking about this the last couple of days actually. And you know, there are, there are brands that I absolutely love, but I never open any of their emails, right? Because I never I never want to buy it, right? right. I, I buy it when I'm ready to, right. So I'm sure there's a marketer or sure there's there's dozens of marketers out there who are probably thinking, great, we've got a really valuable customer here, like being driven by email and all that. And it's like, mm. no, you just happened. Maybe you just happened to catch me at the right moment and you've probably put a discount in front of me.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's a different story. Um,
0: yeah. So what? What are the, just before we get into the, the kind of real detail on email side, what, what do you think the big challenge is in e-commerce at the moment?
1: So that's a really good question because I I can take that in so many different ways. For me personally, I, when I, you know, in working with different brands in the, in the D2C space, I feel like brands are very scared to take risks. in, you know, they're like, we want to do what everyone else is doing because it looks safe. And because if everyone else is doing it, or if like the big retail giants are doing this, it must be right. And so often when I suggest ideas or, you know, things I think could really help them and could really improve their email marketing and up their, their, revenue from email they'll be like no we're too scared to try it or like this is not this is not the typical like this is something that nobody does so why would we be the first one to doing to do that or like the typical response of if everyone's doing that i must be right right so often when i bring ideas or often when i you know explain to clients what i what i'd like to do i'd like to test and even if I, i say to them let's just test it we don't have to actually stick with it they're often very very scared to try it That's why when I work with a brand who's open to any ideas or open to test, it's just a pleasure from beginning to end because I they're just so much more open, so much more happy to try new ideas and see what works and what doesn't. And even if something doesn't work, that's fine. We can, you know, email is not something that you do and then that's it. You're stuck with it forever. It's so easy to change and test that it it's really a shame when they don't do that. But so many brands are very scared to do it, they're very stuck in the old way of doing things. And very much like if the if our competitors are doing it like this, or if The big ones are doing like this, why would we do it differently? Which is a big challenge because I, 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 I so badly want to help them up the email game. And I I come in as the email expert help wanting to help them, you know, improve their emails. And then when I'm up against this wall, it's like, what a shame because we're not going to get anywhere like this. And that's where it's interesting because I had a mentor who once told me that you can't care more about a brand than they do. So if they don't want to do that, if they don't want to test and if they don't want to try different things, you know, you can't, you can't hang yourself on that. Forget it. Move on. Do something
0: different. Yeah. yeah. It's a really good point. It's something I've come across hundreds of times throughout my entire career. Just that, yeah, that attitude of like, no one else does it like that. Yeah. And it's almost like a, instead of viewing it as an opportunity to stand out because no one else is doing it, it's seen as something that's wrong because no one else does it.
1: Exactly. Like just because no one else is doing it doesn't mean it's wrong i love that i love the way you said that but yeah that's just the way it is with them
0: yeah it doesn't mean it's wrong but also it does, it means potentially no one else has tried it Yeah. Right. so no one no one knows whether it's right or wrong and as long as you're coming from it from a coming at it from a like a kind of data or research led approach and you've got a genuine reason to think something might work then that should be a positive i remember um a few episodes ago i was talking to someone about content and she was saying that the way they kind of I think pitch it to clients is they'll do like eighty percent of their content will be the normal sort of stuff, and then twenty percent is taking a risk, right? Let's let's just do something wild. Let's have a go at something. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least eighty percent of what we're doing is moving it, hopefully moving you in the right direction. And I think maybe if you kind of lay it out like that a bit and say, you know, vast majority of what we do is kind of best practice and what everyone else does let's let's test it out and also because we're testing we're not just saying put it live and leave it and go it's we want to see what the data says
1: i um, like the idea of doing that 20 and 80 because in the brands you usually feel more comfortable okay if 80 is what everyone else is doing all well, the best practices then i'll go along with it and if, i'll let you do that 20 percent. so i like that
0: yeah and it's interesting you say best practice because oh it's kind of i mean it's related to this risk taking isn't it if if no one's doing the different stuff, it means everyone's doing the same stuff, which means it's not really best practice, it's average practice. Because exactly. nothing is standing out. Everyone's doing exactly the same thing. Exactly. So
1: I often tell yeah. clients that, you know, if nothing else, this is the way to you can stand out. Like I yeah. know that it didn't come on board to help you stand out, but this is also a good way to help you stand out. But still, sometimes they just it's, resist. So. Uh,
0: otherwise, let, let's say your your promotion's inbox or, or just your your inbox was just full of marketing emails from skincare brands. right? If no one was doing anything differently, then every email is just exactly the same, just here are some products, here are skincare products. Exactly. And then it pretty much comes down to branding and tone of voice and whoever's gone with a slightly different tone of voice, which which makes it sound more exciting. But otherwise, yeah, every email is going to be pretty much identical, which, to be honest, is what happens in email anyway. You know, everything is, you know, normally some sort of introduction section at the top, which is normally a banner, quite often a promotion. <laughs> and then it just goes into here are some products we think you're like. Right. Cool. So, so going on to the onto the email side, what what are the key sequences? So that I know there's there's probably like a dozen, maybe a bit more that you you can set up, but what would you say are the key ones to either either set up if if brands are not ready with it already to focus their efforts on? Where's the, you know, the 80-20 rule?
1: Okay. So when I work with a brand, then the first thing we do is we usually set up the main, you know, automations. Now, as you said, there are so many and each one, you know, it serves its own purpose, but you have to start obviously with the main ones. And often I'll tell brands that even if you're not ready to go all well, in, let's just start with the four main ones and then we'll take it from there. So what are they? First one is a welcome sequence. Now, a welcome sequence is a very weighty sequence because it's it's your new subscribers' very first email touchpoint, right? It, this is where they're coming into your brand for the first time, and it really sets the tone for their entire future relationship. This is where like they're going to know who you are and what you stand for without with you know before anything else. So, with a welcome sequence, I usually seek to do three things. First of all, I I try to connect. I tell brands that we need to connect with your subscribers. People reading your emails are human, so you want to write like you would to a friend. You want to use. You don't want to use any stuffy language or jargon. You want the emails to come from a person. I often find this very helpful. So, like the company name will be like name at company name. That's usually very, very. It it, it, it gives the thing that like someone's writing the email to you. It's not our company writing the email. Yeah. Also, I come across this very often, which is very annoying. When brands write in proper case, so like they capitalize in a sentence, they'll capitalize the first the first letter of every word. Do you know what oh, I mean? I hate that. Yeah, uh, it's like who it, writes like that?
0: It has its it has its place in certain things, like like headlines on an article, for exactly. example, or like the title of a report or something like that. But not not just in an email to someone.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like. When you when I get such an email, I'm like obviously they wrote this without thinking that anyone was going to read the email. They just mass wrote the email because somebody told them to write the email. Nobody writes like that, unless it's obviously as a headline, but no one writes like that to a friend or to someone they're quickly writing a note to. And so that's all that all comes under the umbrella of really connecting with your subscribers, just remembering that there's somebody at the other end of the email, somebody that's reading it, and they're human just like you. The second thing I often do with a I do I try to do with a welcome sequence is to build trust. So you want people to recognize you as the go-to brand in the industry. You want to really inspire the loyalty because that's how you're going to get them to buy from you. So how do you do that? Obviously with reviews, testimonials, customer success stories, these are very useful in building trust and people know that they can trust you. These people have used this brand and they've seen success Then I might as well. And then you also, with a welcome sequence, you want to sell. So Sometimes brands are scared to do this with a welcome sequence. We they're like, "We're just coming in, and we don't want to sell too hard." And I'm all for not selling too hard, but by opting in, your new subscriber is really showing interest. They want to know about your brand. They're, they're practically asking you for updates and for, you know, for discounts if you're giving any in the future. They're interested in knowing more. They're open to spending with you. So why not use that to sell? So then can again, I, can yeah, I just sorry. just
0: cut in on one thing there? I think one thing that I don't think brands take into account at all is. Where that sign up has actually come from, and and like the intent on that, right? So you get people who people who put their email in, into that newsletter pop up, or that really the the discount pop up, right? Yeah, right. I want that ten percent discount. Then you've got people who might specifically opt in to email during the checkup process, and you've also got people who get opted in by the brand, right? But I think most brands talk in exactly the same way to all three of those customers. When really, mm. that that person who's gone to claim the discount, 99% of the time, they just want that discount because they want to, they're about to make a purchase. They just want that discount code.
1: Right, which is why I often advise brands not to use discount as a pop-up or as the opt-in. Because you don't want uh, people subscribing just for the discount. And also, I feel like... In today's today's market, the discount's very overused. I'm all for a discount here and there, but when they keep throwing discounts at you, when 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 they're basically telling you that don't buy without a discount, it's a mistake.
0: I think we could go down a completely different route with this. (laughs) So I I think today, these days, the expectation is to get a discount vast Mm -hmm. majority of the time. So people almost expect to be able to get a discount off their first purchase. Then I think, and this is again where John Ivanko is really good, where it talks about the zero-party data stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not, you're, you know, you shouldn't be just asking for like first name, email,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then giving a 10% code. You should be asking people what they're interested in. Like right, why so are I they, like why if they're
1: giving you more information, it. then then you can already give that discount because then you're getting yeah. more information out of it. But if it's just a name and email, it's like, what are you getting in exchange for that discount? It cuts into the profit margins for no reason.
0: Yeah. And, and like I said, if, if 99% of people are signing up for the discount, they're ready to buy anyway. So the right. only, re- potentially the only reason they're signing up is because you've offered to right. give them 10% off the purchase they were just about to make anyway. Right.
1: But right, quite often,
0: if I think it's my first time purchasing from a website, I will, I've normally browsed it a few times. I've probably closed that newsletter box or mm-hmm. discount box. I will then open it in incognito
1: to mm-hmm. see whether a
0: pop-up appears offering me a discount before I buy That's
1: because we're in the industry. There's so many other things I do that other people don't do. I'll never buy something without abandoning cart first to see what happens. True. Because, I, I,
0: right? I do, <laughs> I, I, I I do it coming. a bit, I know, but I know that I'm also, there are a lot of times that I don't do this, right? If I, if I just want something and need something, I'll just go buy it.
1: Right. Um, no, I know. Of course, if it's like just basics, then yeah. But if it's more of like an investment or if it's a bigger purchase, I'll often abandon cart to see what's coming next. But that's just yeah. because I know what's coming.
0: Yeah, I do. I do quite often expect <laughs> to get, you know, up to about fifteen percent off, just because yeah. I've abandoned the cart. Right. And really, these are these are tactics that I remember talking about, kind of 10, 11 years ago, when I was when I was in, was in my first marketing roles. So the mm-hmm. fact that this this hasn't developed over like ten years is is not a great sign.
1: Interesting. So that's the first one. That's the welcome sequence. Like I said, you want to build trust. You want to connect with your subscribers, and you want to sell. Now, then the next, I'd say, the next flow that's super important is the abandoned cart sequence. Now, this is really like a basic for every for every brand. I was recently working with a brand, a new brand. They were selling on Amazon, and they wanted to, you know, take wanted to open up on, on their own site. On their own terms, but they had an established brand. It was just through Amazon, so now they had to kind of rebuild their whole email list. They had to re- start from scratch, and they they wanted me to you know start with it. They had reached out to me back in September, and they wanted me to do the Black Friday holiday promotions, all of that. And I told asked them if they had an abandoned cart sequence in place, and they said that they ha- they were just using the basic the basic temp- templated site that you know Clavio gives and i said before we do any black friday sequence before we do any anything anything we're doing an abandoned cart sequence because if we're going to do if we're going to invest into all these promotions and if we're going to you know go all in on the holiday season but we don't have an abandoned cart sequence to act as that you know net then we might as well not do those sequences and i was right when we looked yeah. afterwards at the back end we saw how much the abandoned cart sequence had saved them from and how much it had recouped them so that was a great decision but if that basically means that the abandoned cart sequence is something that you you need. And they say, I think that 66% of online carts are abandoned by users. That's a staggering amount. So you want to have those, you want to have a good abandoned cart flow in place. So one thing I learned over the years was that, and I actually learned this from Nikki Elbaz. Have you heard of her? Yep. So she said, and it really resonated with me, was that Often we say that the the most common reason that shoppers abandoned car is because they're distracted. So they're browsing, but then they got a very interesting and know Instagram notification. so they popped off or this one came into the room, and so they they got distracted, but it's not true. She says it's because they simply can't decide. They're looking at the page they're browsing. they're seeing they're not one hundred percent sure if they want it or not. And then it's like, because we have so much going on nowadays, it's like, okay, you know what? I can't decide. I'm just going to mentally leave it and physically actually leave it, you know, physically leave the tab. Yeah. So it's just that, you know, not because they didn't want it, not because they got distracted. They just, they don't know. So if you want I mean, to recover those, sorry, go ahead.
0: In in a sense, they have been distracted because they, they have to take right. their time. But I know what you mean. Like, when people say people are distracted, it's, yeah, someone's come in the room and they've right. that's happened, or suddenly they've gone, oh no, I've got, a, I've got a meeting, I've got to be on that right now, or right. they've got a phone call. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, but I, I think... You
1: so, know, my point with this I'm trying to say is that sending them in an abandoned cart sequence of saying, did you get distracted, to come back to your cart, is not always such a good idea. The point is, if they're not sure and they can't decide, it might be because they're that you know you need to coach them through their indecision so you need to help them get through what they can't decide decide about maybe they have small hesitations maybe they have some concerns maybe they'd like to get some help on something so if you're taking them past the indecision with these offers so you're helping them meet the hesitations in the abandoned cart sequence you're addressing the concerns in the abandoned cart sequence then you've gotten somewhere right if yeah. after they left it because they're not 100% sure they don't know if they should buy it or not and then you come in with meeting their hesitations telling them what they can expect telling them you know you know why they should buy even if they're not sure then you know that's taking you somewhere more than did you get distracted come back to your car yeah Does that makes sense
0: yeah absolutely and i think uh, another mistake brands make there is the whether they are setting up The flow with the expectation that people are put off by price. I don't know, but brands create their flows as if price is the only problem because that's where the discount comes in. Right. Right. When a brand says, Oh, did you just, did you get distracted? Here's the product. And then the next email is, you know, how about 15% off? Right it's it, you know they, they're getting it wrong twice really firstly right. they weren't distracted right. secondly it's not the price it's right. it's the fact that they weren't convinced in the first place
1: right and that's, exactly 100%. that's where i get involved a lot yeah i know 100 percent. and i often tell brands that you can offer a discount in the abandoned cart sequence but don't throw it at them in the first two emails first handle any objections they have first address any hesitations first you know, talk about the value in the offer. First, offer them assistance. Then if they haven't purchased, then you can sweeten the deal, right? And give them that discount, but don't throw it in right away.
0: Yeah. How easy is it to really tailor those emails to specific products? So let's say brands got maybe several hundred SKUs. Is there an easy way to pull in some information to to answer those questions. So let's say I, I abandon the car on a, a product, like a beard oil, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, I was looking at a beard brand earlier, actually. Let's say I've, I've abandoned my car on beard oil. Right. Is it is it is it possible, is it easy to pull in something related to brand to beard oil? You know, it doesn't have to be super specific to a product, but just some information on why beard oil is good and why people should use it.
1: That's a great question. And I don't have a huge knowledge of how Klaviyo actually works, the back end. And I have never done such specific flows. So that I'd actually like okay. to know the answer to that as well. If you ever come across the answer to that, I'd love to know the answer to that because I'm I've gonna... never done such specific flows. I'm gonna have to find out because I,
0: I I think like a dynamic, just a dynamic block, which could be category-based. You know, it doesn't doesn't have to be right. super product specific, but just something that does what you're talking about, right? It answers people's questions. Right. But it's answering them about the product that they've been looking at.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, that would be awesome.
0: Okay. Cool. I'll have to go figure that out. What was flow number three?
1: Yeah. Okay. So the, that was the first to welcome and abandon. God. The third one is the post purchase sequence. Now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: post purchase sequence is often very misunderstood and often looked at as very transactional. Like, you know, here's your. You purchase. thank you for purchasing here's your shipping deadline your i mean here's your your shipping confirmation your order confirmation your delivery confirmation that's it and that's a mistake because you while you definitely need those transactional emails you're not you're it's a very it's a great opportunity to actually nurture the bond with your customer here's where you have the opportunity to set something in place for them to come back for more even if not instantly right it's just there to be able to show them that you appreciate them show them that you are you know, that you actually—they're not just a number; they're a person who's bought your product, and you appreciate that. So, of course, you need to send the order confirmation and you need to send the shipping confirmation. But in those emails, it's a great opportunity to to make the customer feel good about the purchase. So that is very—that is done with very warm, encouraging messaging in the emails. You know, make them feeling good about the purchase. Every purchase comes with a little bit of buyer's remorse, right? Yeah. That tinge of like after you've pressed, you know, buy—it's like should I have bought that? So that first email that comes through, the order confirmation that comes through, there's your opportunity to take away the buyer's remorse. I'm like, here's your, here's your chance to say, thank you for purchasing make, purchasing, make them feel good about it. And by the way, order confirmations from the last time I checked has a open rate of about 60% because people want to check that everything was good, yeah. right? So there's your opportunity in your hands. Use it.
0: People want to have a look at it. I, I think quite often immediately, It depends on the purchase a little bit. Like Amazon, I never check. Right, Amazon. I I right. pretty much delete all my transactional emails without opening them because I I trust Amazon. I know that I don't need to, right. and it's because I normally because I've got Amazon Prime. Right. I if I need to buy one thing, I just go and buy it. Yeah. Right. Whereas other brands, where maybe I'm putting an order together of a few items, right, or I'm getting some sort of bundle or something, that's where I tend to look at it, and I will look at it immediately. Right. And you're right. Like very few brands any effort into those transactional emails
1: yes exactly it's it's a huge opportunity here and when i was saying before about how brands are scared to try something new often when i I recommend doing this they're like what do you mean all transactional emails are just transactional thank you for purchasing here is your product details and when i try to encourage it to be even doesn't i'm not asking for the world to change i'm just asking for a little bit you know warmer encouraging message that's where the block goes up but this is what i mean when it's here's your opportunity
0: i I know there are. Sometimes it depends on the industry. I've I've worked in some regulated industries, which which make it tougher. But there are some concerns around things like GDPR. Right. So a transactional email has to go to has to be able to go to everyone, right? So if you can't segment to opted in, opted out, you can't have marketing in that transactional email. Right.
1: Right. And but then I'm not it comes about down to a little bit
0: of, well, it, then it comes down to a little bit of what counts as marketing. Right. And yeah, like messaging around. Your USPs. You've got, you know, free returns if you don't like it. Twenty four 24 four seven customer support. This product is great for this. You know, there's a few things you can get away with. What mm-hmm. they really mean is, don't stick an upsell in there and right. say, you know, by the way, you've got tw- you've got twelve hours until your order's shipped. If you want to add right. this product, just click. You can't right. do that. Right. But I wonder if there's just a. Nah, no, it's probably not, is it? It literally just comes down to that kind of best practice rubbish, doesn't it? And the, everyone, everyone does it as a transactional email, so that's what we should yeah. do, that is it? Yeah, isn't it? Exactly. Sorry, go on.
1: No, so I also often all brands do this, right? They send a review request, a testimonial request, a review request, so, and so here is also the chance. To... Is
0: this flow four? Or is this end of? Is this part of the post purchase? No,
1: it's still part of the post purchase. Some brands okay. do it as part of the post purchase sequence. I'm just saying that you know they do it as part of the post purchase sequence, but sometimes it's just a very transactional email. You bought our product, leave a review. I know I wouldn't leave a review for that kind of email, not because I'm being nasty, but because it doesn't it just doesn't really tell me it. I'm not excited by the email. If you tell me how you appreciate, you know, you appreciate that I've purchased by you and that you'd love to hear what I think. I'm happy to give you a review or you tell me how yeah. long it's going to take. Three minute request, tell me how long it's going to take. I'm
0: there for it. And again, you that really to... boils
1: down to what I said about the customer experience, right?
0: Yeah, you, you've got to encourage it, right? Yeah. I mean, for most brands, I think Trustpilot told me that a good conversion rate for a review email is 8%. Really? That's so
1: interesting. Right?
0: 8%. It's not a lot is it?
1: No, not at all.
0: Right. So 8%, 8% of people who buy are going to leave a review if you're doing it well. And it it depends on industry. I worked mm-hmm. with a company who got about 16%, which was great. Wow. But they had a it made sense for their for their category. But for general e-commerce brands if you're getting 8%, you've got to put some effort into that email to encourage people to to get on with it. And you don't need to incentivize it of course. You like you say you've just got to make it Make it interesting. Let me know it's gonna take me 30 seconds to do.
1: Exactly. So the fourth email would be the fourth sequence would be the win back sequence. This really varies by industry, you know, where it's more it depends really on what you're buying and what the product is, because sometimes win back could be 30 days, sometimes win back could be 60 days. It's basically getting people to come back after purchasing once. You want them to come back. So you, you know, pop back into their into the inbox after a certain amount of days and say, you know, you've you've purchased by us this, how about trying something else? Or How about getting something as a gift for someone else? Now, with Winback Sequence, you need to be careful because you don't want to be too aggressive. It's not like, you know, now that you bought by us, we're going to hound you until you buy again. Again, it's all about making it conversational. It's all about showing them the right things based on what they've bought, bringing up the right things to cross-sell them. But if done well and if done conversationally and a way of like, we really, you know, you've bought this, how this would really help you now or this would be a great uh, next option, then it could work really well. So the Winbacks can be very successful.
0: Yeah, and I think I think brands there's so much missed opportunity because brands take a very generic approach to it, right? This is, it's almost, it's almost like, this is what we want you to buy next. This is what we, what we want to promote this month or whatever. When really you could be looking at, is it, is it a consumable product? Right. So is this person going to need a need, a resupply or a restock in 30 days? Or it could be, I don't know why, but This popped into my head, so I've got I I got a garden with my with my new house the other year, and it requires a lot of work. Right, Mm -hmm. a lot of work's having to go into this. It wasn't amazingly maintained before, so there's certain things that need to go on the grass in order to revitalize it, get it growing again. So a brand could very easily say, right, you ordered 30 days ago, you should have used this by now. By the way, to get best results, we recommend doing this once every six weeks. So place your order now. So that when it arrives, it's ready. Right. And just that sort of messaging
1: right. would be that.
0: really great at making me go, okay, yeah. Not only is it a good reminder, but also, oh, okay, I have to do it every six weeks for yeah. three months or whatever. Right. In order to get best results. Just trying to find messaging that ties into that product right. that people have bought right. would be great. And I just uh, vast majority of brands just don't do it. It's such a yeah. simple thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, totally. I like the example you just bought. That's really great.
0: Thanks. Anything else on Winback?
1: Uh, we- no, that's just the long and short of it. Trying to keep it yeah. you know, very short. There's a lot cool. that goes into every email. There's a lot that goes into every sequence. I could probably speak for 30 minutes on each sequence. <laughs> yeah. that's just the basics.
0: Okay. So I think I think we've covered this a little bit anyway, but like how I guess in layman's terms or you know, just with a a bit of a quick description,
1: mm-hmm. how would you
0: describe the difference between like that company led? Approach to emails and customer led approach?
1: Okay, so that I love that question because that really boils down to everything I do. But yeah, we did discuss it a little bit, but the way I look at it is that company led emails is sending emails that the company wants to send and their agenda. Like now we're promoting this because we want to get rid of this stock in our warehouse, or now we're doing this because it suits us. Whereas customer led emails is a whole different ballgame. It's about seeing what the customer wants, it's about Knowing from the customer perspective what they want to see and what they're interested in seeing, it's about segmenting your list, not just sending, blasting out all your emails to all the people's. And it really is about sending emails that the that your people want to see. Now, how do you know that? So that's really done with research. I'm very into market research and audience research. And in as many places as I can, I encourage brands to do that. So whether that would be an exit intent pop out. So when people have, you know, they're not purchased, sorry, no, when, when, when people have, are leaving your site to ask why they haven't bought, those aren't usually that successful, but sometimes people do answer when, when people have actually purchased. So that's a really great way to get them to answer because they're ready, you know, they've just made a purchase they're at that point where they're happy to help you out. So they've clicked their the buy now cart the the buy now they've made the purchase and then like a pop up comes up before they leave of like you know why what made today you know I uh, know the
0: day <laughs> you bought like what?
1: Uh, sh- no what made today a shoe shopping day like what made you, what made you decide today to buy shoes why here why now just even one question and they'll usually answer it because they're usually excited with what they bought mm-hmm. that can get you some really good data even just sending out you know questionnaires and 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 just sending out to your customer list, asking questions, asking to your audience why they've purchased. Even if you have to give an incentive, I recently did this with a brand. We were working on building out some flows and I felt like getting the audience insight would be super helpful and sending audience that would be helpful, sending email, emails that would be helpful to them. So we sent out a survey and we gave a small incentive, nothing major, just you know a small incentive to appreciate, to thank them for their time. And the questions were really well answered and they gave us a really good insight into why they bought, why they purchased specifically in the, with this brand, what the hesitations were, what the other options were, where they found the brand. So many different questions that can give you so much insight. And then based on those, on that insight, we're able to send the emails that the customers want because we know what they want because we're hearing directly from them. So yeah. the difference between company led emails and customer led emails is simply emails. When it's customer led emails, it's emails that the customers appreciate reading, want to read, and don't unsubscribe from because they're happy they enjoy the emails they're getting it's talking to them and that means not always by the way it's not always about just promotion sometimes it's good content right if you're a cookware brand you can send content related to that recipes or recipe developing or you know different menus they can try Sorry. things that make them feel like it's not just about here buy our product buy our product we also we want to share with you we want to show you what we have to offer and like you know you're part of our system and we we appreciate that you're part of us
0: so on the topic of content, do you think it's important to make it very clear that the email when it when it's when in the subject line or or even in the sender name whatever that it's part of that content series as opposed to just another email because there will be brands who send out they, they'll mix in promotions and sales emails with a bit of content
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it's it's almost like I, I know that i I would just glance through if you're lucky, I'm going to open an email. Mm-hmm. But if I saw, you know, a recipe example, right? If I saw the email, the subject line started with this week's recipes mm-hmm. or this week's top recipes, mm-hmm. that I know is content, right? right. And, that, and that's something I that agree. I'm going to be like. I,
1: I would definitely, I always do that. Whenever, whenever we do content emails, I like make it clear that this is an email that we're not selling to you. Like you can enjoy it. Read it, enjoy it. And also we encourage them to respond. Not only is that good for deliverability, but it's also great for the customer relationships, for the you know, for the back and forth to you can also often this isn't usually the point with getting customers to reply, but it often ends in a sale as well.
0: Yeah, I mean replies are always really great. I just had a, a bit of a random idea. I don't, I don't know whether this would actually be useful, but have mm-hmm. you ever done a like? How would you rate this email? Sort of. I've thing?
1: actually never done this myself, but I've seen it. No, you've seen it. Have, yeah, have you done that?
0: I have not. It just kind of popped into my head because you when you said like, oh like this is a content email you're going to enjoy this email then it would kind of be good to get feedback from people saying like yes i thought this was a valuable valuable content or no i like that i don't know how i don't know how useful it would be on its own maybe maybe when people click on an answer you send them to a little survey and say could you could you just give us a little info right
1: i like the idea i just wonder how many people would actually click on it I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just guessing, but I, I wonder how many people would actually click on it.
0: You'd have to make it pretty, pretty obvious. Yeah. But then I suppose maybe the argument would be if if no one's clicking it, maybe your emails are pretty boring.
1: <laughs> that might be.
0: Because <laughs> either...
1: That might be also helpful
0: to know. You want a reaction, right? If the yeah. emails are bad, people are going to say this email is just pointless. Yeah. And if they're really good, hopefully people will say, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Yeah. And you'll get, and, and every now and again, you're going to get someone who gives you that detailed feedback. But if yeah. no one is clicking them at all, maybe it just means, yeah, yeah no one's <laughs> no one's getting that far in the email at all.
1: Definitely worth trying.
0: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Did you do the research? How do you come up with what people care about?
1: So, like, I, like I, I mentioned before, it's a lot about audience research. Really getting from their customers, from their people, from their, you know, from. Really, their audience is the most helpful. I often do also just regular online research, just in different groups and different things to see what these type of people like and want to hear. But I feel like the most valuable information comes from comes from the actual customers. Like recently, I was like I mentioned, I was working for a cookware brand, and all the all the, a lot of the testimonials were all about how the cookware is so great and so amazing that it lasts forever or that they can pass it down to their children because it just lasts forever. It's like their last, it's the only set of cook where they need. And because I kept getting this information and because I kept seeing that information, I was able to turn that into a selling point. And I was able to craft emails specifically around this point because I could see it was coming from them. So that's an example of how the brand didn't tell me that. I mean, I mean, they gave me a list of their features and that was one of the features, but I kept seeing how this came up again and again. And so I knew that this is something that number one is true. And number one, they appreciate and they want. So when you're able to take those insights from the audience and turn it into emails, that's the most valuable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Just getting feedback from people. Right. Even just reading reviews. I saw someone saying they were using chat. Is it GPT? I keep forgetting with the C or G. Chat GPT, I think. Yeah. They were using that to analyze reviews. Interesting. Which is quite interesting. I, I I do wonder how reliable it is because I don't know if it can understand like context and
1: interesting. What they were using um, it to analyze the reviews and bring out points from the reviews.
0: So I believe what they were doing is they were copying copying a load of reviews into it and mm-hmm. saying like these are these are a bunch of re- reviews for this brand. Could you please analyze them and give me the the top insights?
1: Interesting. Or maybe
0: maybe a bit more specific. You know, can you can you pull out the key key topics? But what I suppose it wouldn't be able to do. It probably, it doesn't have sentiment, I don't right, think. Right. So you'd need a. there are tools that do, but yeah, it, it wouldn't be, a, I don't know if it'd be able to tell whether people are using that tone, the, the uh, those key points in positive or negative ways. So if it was saying, right. um, you know, these, if it was talking about how long these products last, it might just pull that out of every review and say, everyone talks about how long the products last, but you don't know whether they're saying it doesn't last very long or it lasts ages.
1: Right, right,
0: so I, I'm, it's something I'm going to have to check out and and see right. how well that does. Because,
1: right,
0: I mean, if you could put, if someone could put together a tool, and I could just feed a bunch of reviews into yeah, it, or just give that it a would URL, useful. yeah, that'd be incredible.
1: Yeah, so ChatGPT is definitely taking the world by storm. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I've I've used it personally, right. like in my personal life, a few times, like for recipe ideas. And oh, things really? Like that, oh, that's cool. Really great, and the fact that it will give you you can be so specific, right? You can say like, how many calories do you want? Like really specific what you want in there within oh, wow. seconds, it'll build you that, that, the, a meal plan. And then wow. you can ask it for the recipe, the, you know, the, the details.
1: Oh, um, wow. That's incredible. Literally
0: just yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway, I mean, have you got any examples of brands that are doing it really well, doing email really well?
1: So I have like a dedicated email just to analyze brands because I don't want it all taking over my, regular email accounts. I've just opened up, a you know, just a swipe file email. And then like from time, like I usually open it weekly to check all the emails and there's like a load of emails, but there's specific brands that I love and that I follow and I like to have them. Oh, example of that would be Four Sigmatic. I actually wrote about it recently in a LinkedIn post. I just love their style. I love what they're doing. I love their emails. They have a very conversational, very friendly tone. They make you feel like they just make you feel really comfortable. And like, yeah, I, I'm not so into, they, they sell, for those who don't know, they sell mushroom coffee. So it's like, it's really good for mental focus and for energy. It's a very, very unique product. And I'm not so into coffee and I'm not so into mushroom coffee either, but I've just loved the emails. And I know that if I would be into coffee and these kind of things, I would probably buy from them. What's the Oh, um, Oh, Four Sigmatic. Four as in the number four, F-O-U-R, Sigmatic, I-G-M-A-T-I-C. I'm
0: going to have to look at that. Because I yeah, actually, I, I do get a kind of mushroom coffee oh you um, do i'd, I'd say it's, it's more like a hot chocolate mm-hmm. this brand so yeah it's yeah that's just for me really we have to go into <laughs> that but <that's, laughs> i'm gonna save that and have a is, look at check it.
1: them out they're, it's a cool, really cool brand i love what they're doing and I, their emails i just all, all every single email that comes through is great another example would be a very popular example i'm sure you know the brand casper they sell mattresses bed stuff yep. also i love their emails I love the tone. I love specifically the headlines that they use in the emails. Really good head, and like I just you know check those for inspo because they're just always consistently good. I can go on and on, but I'm just going to leave it with two because there are there are a lot of good brands doing real good magic in the world. Equally, a lot of brands are not doing such a good job with their emails. But you know when you find the right emails to follow and the right inspo, then there's there's quite a bit out there.
0: Yeah, just do you find when you when you work with a brand, do you find that it's they generally don't have dedicated email resource. And it's been someone's task has just been to put together the email flows as part of their wider kind of marketing role. And actually, there's no real owner of, of email.
1: Interesting question. And the answer is definitely yes. I feel like email marketing, especially when when maybe it's a smaller, when it's a bigger brand and when they have you know more defined roles, then they usually do have someone specific yeah. doing email. But when it's a smaller brand and when they... You know, they're very, they're very, they don't have that many staff employees. They have very, everyone's kind of, everyone's overflowing with what they need to do. Mm-hmm. um So then, yeah, then emails kind of stuffed in with like, just do the email for us. And they have no clue what they're doing. Or they're like, well, let's just design some your templates. Or let's just take what they're giving us and do it like that. But again, it really, it really depends on the brand. Some brands do, some brands don't. It obviously it depends on the, mainly I'd say the size. The bigger ones do have someone dedicated to email.
0: Okay. Cool. So, just before we finish up, is there anyone in the general e-commerce marketing space that you'd want to sit down for lunch?
1: Such a good question. Just because there's so many people that I would, <laughs> you meet so many people in the virtual marketing space, and then when you meet them in real life, it's like it's a whole different thing. I'd pick someone I actually mentioned before, Nikki Elbaz, yeah. just because she's I, when I started out in the ecom email space, I started with her products to help me get started, and they were so useful and so helpful, and then. I've had certain like calls with her that has been really helpful. So I just love to like sit down with her, have lunch with her, chat with her. But yeah, it might just happen one day. We're actually in the same country. So it might just happen one day. Oh,
0: cool. Okay. Cool. <laughs> and finally, any any tools that you recommend people use? Is there anything maybe a bit unusual or a bit unknown that you use?
1: <laughs> so I'm very I don't know how unusual this is, probably not that unusual, but I'm very into no, I like to, when I present my work to brands or when I'm talking something through with a brand, often I feel like either a meeting is just too elaborate for it. Like we don't need to now stop what we're doing and meet or an email is just going to be a back and forth exchange. So I'll kind of come to the middle and do a Loom video. So I'll record a Loom, quick Loom video and send them over what I think. Or if I'm showing them something, like I'm showing them a deliverable or I'm walking them through a strategy, I'll sometimes do that via Loom. So I'll just save everyone's time. I don't know how much time it saved me, but it's definitely saved me a lot of time. And it's worked really well. I, I,
0: reckon it, I reckon it saves you a lot of time.
1: <laughs> it does. You use Zoom? Not in that way. Not in that way.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, actually, I, d- I don't use it a huge amounts just because I've got Zoom. So right. I use Zoom in the, in the same way, right? So I'll do share my screen, stick oh, myself in the corner. On... Oh. So I, I just, but I just it,
1: somehow it, find that Loom is like made for that. So like I'll just in seconds do the Loom. But you're right, Zoom could also work.
0: It is a, it's a little quicker just to click on the icon yeah. for Zoom and hit record. But yeah. Um, I've got a paid account for for Zoom, not Loom. Right. So it just makes sense to continue using
1: right That's uh, Zoom for it. That's true.
0: Uh, awesome. So if anyone wants to find out more from you, what's the best way of getting in touch?
1: So they can either get me on my website, which is just H- Hannah. My name HannahLipchitz It's actually on right doesn't right now it doesn't reflect me because it's I haven't had chance to update it. It's very much based on what I used to do. Is you know how. You have that to-do list with everything you want to do for your own business development, but it just keeps getting bumped to the bottom because your stuff is not as important as what you do for other brands. But it's definitely something that I want to get done in the first quarter, one of my goals. And then over at LinkedIn, they can find me. I'm on there, posting mostly regularly. I'd love to connect with anyone over there.
0: Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Anna.
1: Thank you so much. It was great talking to you today.
0: Customer research is absolutely essential if you wanna be building a successful email marketing program in 2023. It's easy to technically set up Clavio, you know, get everything running, particularly those four key sequences Hannah talked about. But if you really wanna be successful and have your customers actually enjoy your emails and enjoy hearing from you, you've gotta do that research. You need to figure out what they want from you. You need a good tone of voice and brand, and your content just needs to be relevant to them, really. Don't spam everyone with the same message. If you take a customer-centric approach rather than just thinking how can we make more money, you're going to see much better results. If you'd like to hear more from Hannah, you can find her on LinkedIn. Any other podcast questions, feedback, or guest requests, please send them over to willatcustomerswhoclick.com or DM me on LinkedIn. Next up, I've got Shiva Manjanath joining me from Spiro to talk about myths and mistakes in CRO. But until then, keep those customers clicking.